it's time to talk about all things mental health. This is Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. As a seasoned licensed therapist, Cecile is the owner of Transcend Therapy and is here to inform, guide, and connect you on the big and small everyday happenings that affect our mental and emotional well-being. Cecile is passionate about making a lasting and positive impact on people, connecting them to their own wisdom and strength while having a little fun along the way. Get ready to challenge the power of your human spirit. It's time to get mental. And now here's your host, Cecile Ahrens. All the things they say should matter, corrupted by the senseless chatter. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. This is Cecile Ahrens, your host with Get Mental Podcast. It's been a while. Um, Thank you for hanging in there with me. I hope you've enjoyed the other episodes we've had. We do have 77 episodes, I'm happy to report. So hopefully you had some time to browse through the other topics that we've um, explored in the last year. Today, I wanted to talk about sleep. Sleep deprivation and practical ways to improve your sleep. This has been a long time coming, um, as many other topics, I believe, in mental health. I know there's a lot of uh, information about sleep, but ironically, despite all that we know about it and all the information out there, Americans still have a high rate of, of insomnia. One in three people, one in three adults, according to the CDC, are not getting enough sleep on a regular basis. Um, Anecdotally for me, with the people I support, sleep is still the top three symptom that uh, often presents in therapy and often uh, we end up having to address. So there's a lot of kind of complex issues around sleep, even though it is in fact one of the most basic and necessary um, functions that we have as human beings, and it is a biological need. There is no going around that. We do suffer tremendously without proper and adequate sleep. It is a biological need and fundamental to our well-being, especially our physical and mental and emotional health. You know, even though there's all this information around that, around this subject, it's still such a an issue. Um, I read an article calling insomnia in America as a public health crisis, and I really think they're right on. You know, I know we have a lot of mental health stuff going on, but I think sleep is often at the um, the forefront of a lot of the issues. Um, that uh, are part of mental health, you know, like, for example, people will present with certain issues, but when we start assessing kind of functioning and sleep, sleep is often one of the culprits or the lack of it. Um, So just to give you some stats, because I, you know, how I love giving you that kind of information. Um, Again, um, a lot of this is from the CDC, so let me just tell you some key findings that they they had from a study in 2016. So imagine how worse off we probably are now given the pandemic and 
you know, COVID-19 and our politics and so forth. This study was done in 2016 and it found that healthy sleep duration, so the length of time we stay asleep, was lower among native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders and non-Hispanic Blacks and American Indians. And there's a few other percentage there uh, or categories of population. Asians were, you know, um, in there too. But wow, these are all BIPOC, Black Indigenous people of color who seem to be having less quality sleep. What is up with that? I could theorize about that all day long, but that's an interesting uh, piece of information for you all. Um, the other thing is that a lower proportion of adults reported getting at least seven hours of sleep per day in the states, in the southeastern region states of the country. So they're, um, they're getting better sleep, it sounds. Uh, and um, actually, no, I meant they're getting worse sleep in the southeastern region of the United States. And some studies have also apparently shown that these regions have the highest prevalence of obesity and chronic conditions. So, you know, we know that there's now a lot of um, correlated diseases or medical and mental health conditions that are correlated with poor sleep. So that's also, I think, interesting. The next point of data that I wanted to share with you is that people who generally report um, being unable to work or um, were unemployed or underemployed had lower sleep duration. So to me, that's not surprising, but it is very kind of telling that, you know, it's not surprising because sleep affects overall functioning, especially chronic sleep deprivation affects overall functioning. So I can see how that would transfer over to work performance and work functioning. But to have it actually be supported by data is just really kind of sobering, you know, um, and the prevalence of healthy sleep duration was highest among people with a college degree or higher, about 72% of Americans, or 72%, yeah, of um, people with a college degree or higher tend to have better sleep, which I think that's very interesting. You know, again, is there like a socioeconomic piece to this? Is there a socioeconomic and educational factor to this? Um and lastly, the last piece of data I wanted to share is that apparently the percentage of people who report healthy sleep duration was also higher among people who were married compared to those who are never married or divorced or widowed or separated. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so I would like to add hopefully happily married, right? Not just married to be married. So, but again, that shows us the protective factor of healthy, loving, solid relationships. And, and if it has a direct impact on sleep, wow, that is super cool. So there I am geeking away. So that's, that's basically what I wanted to share with you guys as far as the stats. So why do we sleep? Why is sleep important, right? It probably is in many ways obvious, but um, 
you know, let's just break it down a little bit. So not only is it a uh, biological need, it is also critical for our development. You know, as soon as we come out of the womb, what do babies do? They eat, sleep, and, you know, do a couple of other things. <laughs> but that's basically the majority of their activity, right? And so sleep and eating um, is necessary in order for us to grow and develop and meet milestones. So at a very basic level, it is necessary to survive, to live, to, to grow, right? And I would argue to thrive. So the other kind of things that uh, may be obvious to some of you already that sleep can really negatively impact is our heart, our organs, our immune system, meaning a lack of sleep could neg negatively impact, is our cardiovascular system, our, our immune system, um, uh, it can, uh, our memory, our mental health, our concentration, those are kind of the, the, some of the big areas that sleep deprivation really, really does a lot of um, damage on. And, you know, it doesn't just keep us alive. It also contributes to the proper functioning of pretty much every organ, every cell, every system in our body. This is, I just want you guys to take that in. Okay, sleep is one of the very few biological necessities, biological functionings that we have to do as humans that impacts the entire system, the entire system, body and mind. And I would argue spirit for those of you who believe in that or believe that we have a spirit, right? Because if we're feeling good for eating well and uh, sleeping well, then generally our disposition um, is also very, very, doing very well. So that's why sleep is so important. And, you know, I know a lot of you already know this. So let's talk about some of the issues of why you might be having trouble sleeping, okay? And you all know, right? At least your top two, top three reasons of maybe why that is. Um, maybe it's your sleep habits at night. Maybe it's um, the current stressors you have. Maybe it's been normalized to you to just not get enough sleep or to have disrupted sleep. Um, and maybe it's related to medical or mental health issues, okay? Whatever the case may be, they all belong. It's not about, you know, um, judging yourself for it, but it's about becoming aware of what the issues are and hopefully being motivated to get some, some help and advice on how to, how to address it. Um, so you, you, a lot of you know, Transcend Therapy, the private practice that um, I own and I also work as a psychotherapist at, we specialize in trauma recovery. So sleep is one of those things that we 
often run into as, as an issue, especially when there's been a single traumatic event, especially if that was recent, right? Or if there's been chronic trauma or complex trauma, sleep is really a big, uh, sleep becomes a big problem, okay? So I wanna just talk a little bit about that because I also um, think a lot of our listeners, just like a lot of the population, have had some form of trauma. So I want you guys to just think about, you know, the information I'm about to share and see if you can apply it to your own experience, okay? So um, it is known that trauma changes our brain and our body physiologically, okay? So when the brain um, kind of anticipates something, you know, a harm or danger, um, it's going to kind of send off the alarm signals and it'll put us into a fight flight response. And that can, you know, then uh, cause a number of things to happen in our bodies. And one of them is hyper arousal. Okay, so that's your basically your nervous system, your body being aroused and kind of vigilant because it's preparing for either perceived or actual danger. A lot of times with trauma, it's perceived because a lot of times the the threat is really no longer there, but the body doesn't really know that. So it it it's operating as if that, you know, that that danger is still somewhere around its vicinity and it can rear its ugly head at any time. So if you're if if you've had a traumatic event and then um you know if you've have haven't had a lot of support around it or worse if you've had more than one traumatic event and you've ha- you haven't had a lot of support around it then your body is almost like on automatic pilot as far as like being in a hyper in hyper arousal mode okay and that's just one kind of symptom um that we see often with our clients but that alone can really disrupt your sleep because if you're cons- if you're amped up right and sleep and, and sleep is supposed to be the activity where you're supposed to wind down slow down you know surrender to the day let go of the day it is very 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 counterintuitive for the part of you that's hyper aroused okay or for for your body you know it's hyper it's counterintuitive to do that and so oftentimes you know you may be sleeping if this is you you may be sleeping still with a level of hypervigilance and hyperarousal, okay? So that can really impact your sleep. Um, the other thing that it does is it changes the sleep cycles and the sleep stages. Trauma can do that. Um, it can, you know, what they say, affect the sleep architecture of our brain and the irony is when you have PTSD a lot of times especially severe PTSD people have distressing dreams and nightmares Um, and so sleep can also become a really scary 
activity, a really scary time for people because those might be the times where you feel like you don't have control over what's happening to your brain and what it's going to bring up, you know? So that's another complex or complicated factor um, when you've had a lot of trauma. So like if you've listened to me long enough, you know how much of an advocate I am for getting help, right? For therapy, for trauma-specific therapy, trauma recovery. Um, if, if you've been dealing with long, a long history of chronic or persistent insomnia or disrupted sleep or sleep deprivation, and you feel like you've tried other things, it might be time to uh, seek the help of a therapist. If you're already in therapy and sleep is just one of those um, symptoms that kind of, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. I mean, keep talking to your therapist about that because sometimes there might be things we're missing. You know, it helps us kind of also keep it on the forefront of our work together and have it kind of fresh on on the way that we're treating and conceptualizing what's happening. So try not to just think that this is just how it is, you know? And so for me, with the people I support, I, I ask about sleep uh, from time to time um, because, because of this background knowledge that I have around, you know, trauma and how it impacts sleep. And in in a few minutes, I'm going to talk about just practical strategies to improve your sleep and how to create like a good sleep hygiene. But I wanted to just spend a little bit of time um, talking about trauma and sleep uh, because I think we underestimate really the pervasive and far-reaching effects of unprocessed trauma um, on our system. Okay. so I wanted to share one more thing, the ACE study. And this is a uh, kind of a hallmark study done by Kaiser many, many years ago. I forgot exactly when. But basically, they, um, they ask thousands of uh, people to answer a series of questions which um, are related to adverse child experiences, which is what ACE stands for, okay? And, you know, the number of yeses you answer on this on this questionnaire is usually predictive of the kind of um, issues, medical and mental health, um, and probably even social and legal issues you're, you might run into later on in life. So, you know... Um, if you've never seen one, go just Google it, ACE, the ACE study, A-C-E. See if you can answer some of those questions and see if like, you know, um, uh, some of those things might be relevant to you. Um, and so as a warning, though, that might be really triggering for some of you because of the, the questions. So if you feel like you may be delicate in a delicate place, don't do it without like a support person with you. But if you feel kind of strong enough in your recovery, I suggest uh, to go ahead and um, and take the test and it'll be very enlightening in many ways. So back to the ACE study um, that I wanted to share with you. It's specifically related to childhood trauma 
and sleep. What they found was that the adults with who scored very low on the ACE study um, are obviously sleeping better. And the ones that scored high on the ACE study, they are they have shown to have more trouble falling asleep and are also twice as likely to feel tired after a full night's sleep, okay? So again, this is just kind of a, it sounds obvious, but I really want to bring this point home that having trouble sleeping and, and having disrupted sleep and feeling tired after a full night's sleep might be really normalized to some of you, but I cannot underestimate how awful that is for your overall health. And the effects are cumulative, meaning you might not really feel so much of the effects, you know, within the first 30 years of your life. But after that, you know, the longer you're kind of in that cycle, the harder and harder it gets on our minds, our bodies, you know, our just our overall functioning. And it is really known to, lack of sleep is really known to exacerbate mental health symptoms. If you have anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, and you're not sleeping well, you know firsthand what that does and how how shitty you feel, how off-center you feel, how worse your symptoms might be, how foggy your brain is, right? Um, I know for me, when I don't get enough sleep, I'm very sleep sensitive, meaning if I don't get enough, I feel it the next day. Sometimes it'll give me till day two, but I'm a mess and I'm super irritable. Uh, So, you know, um, you have to kind of really take some of this information to heart if you are anywhere desiring to have a healthy, happier quality life you know um that's really how important sleep is the other thing i wanted to share lastly here on the ace and i'll get off the subject (laughs) is that they said that the effects of these adverse childhood experiences can last up to 50 years guys 50 years 50 years that's almost That's over half of your life, right? Because the life expectancy, I don't think, is 100 right now. But think about that. So the higher we score on this ACE questionnaire, the adverse childhood experiences, such as, you know, child abuse, sexual abuse, divorce, you know, uh, neglect, those kinds of things, the higher you score on there, the worse off you are, okay? And with each adverse childhood experience that one has in childhood, it increases the risk of not getting sleep as an adult by 20%, okay? With one, if you say yes to one of those questions, it increases your your ability, your um, risk factor for not getting enough sleep by the time you're, as an adult, sorry, by 20%. That is phenomenal if you really just take that all in. So, here's the good news. 
we are not static beings. We are malleable in many ways. And there's a thing called neuroplasticity. Okay? We're not stuck with our past and our trauma. We can do something about this. We can repair, recircuit, you know, recover. I'm not saying there's a cure for everything because that's not true, but there are small and big things that you might be able to do to defy your ace, for example, so to speak, to defy your life experiences, to defy your own expectations of yourself, you know? So, yeah, yeah, I'm very passionate about this, as you can tell. Um, another thing, too, is that Oftentimes, adults who are diagnosed with um, insomnia and are usually the ones, sorry, with a higher number of ACE score, the ones who say yes to a lot of the ACE questions. So again, there is no denying how our environment and our early childhood experiences has a direct impact, right, on our entire system, our body, our nervous system, the things that, you know, the system that regulates sleep, the memory, functioning, and, and so many other systems in our bodies are negatively impacted, you know? So this is why I'm so passionate about mental health and trauma work because they all go hand in hand when we're trying to affect these other biological processes. Um, that I think we just sometimes take for granted or we're, we're just not educated enough about. So that's it on trauma, childhood, adverse childhood experiences and sleep. Now I wanna get to talking about sleep hygiene. And you know, these are more practical tips. So um, it's always, kind of good to just take this with a grain of salt because not not there's not one size fits all there are generally speaking good sleep habits that um can help all of us but in my years of doing this sometime most of the time there are it's more complicated is what i'm trying to say that you know the 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 the, the tips and the strategies need to be tailored to that specific person and so that's one of the things we do in therapy is we, is we really try to kind of get in there and figure out what your triggers are what's happening um and try try different strategies you know on for size um okay so one of the things you guys can do is one of the, the best advice or the common advice, I should say, and it is also the best advice because th this is known to be backed by science and how like it regulates our bodies is to go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time. So um, a lot of sleep ex experts, which I am not, but a lot of sleep, sleep experts recommend that. That's probably one of the top three re recommendations I hear is maintain a regular sleep schedule even if you slept a little later that night like later than you when you normally sleep they advise you to still try to wake up the same time you wake up you know and to kind of keep that rhythm going 
Um, they also suggest that if you have, um, you know, a history of sleep issues, you probably don't want to nap because that disrupts the sleep cycle. And then it also can make it harder for you, obviously, to um, sleep at the same time that evening. Um, for some people, I've seen that they can nap and, you know, sleep the same time. So this is what I mean by it has to be tailored to your specific kind of issue. But generally speaking, naps are not recommended. Um, obviously, caffeine and sugar are not recommended. But if you really don't want to uh, give them all up completely, you know, I always advise people to maybe um, don't have any uh, stimulants three of at least four hours before bed um that's just a number i picked off the air that's not you know don't don't quote me on that but at least enough time to um solid enough time so that your body can prepare for sleep and come down but if you're more already on the hyper end hyper side then really you want to look at either giving them up altogether or finding other alternatives to sugar and caffeine or doing half decaf, half caffeine, like things, things like that to really, to really maximize your opportunity for success. They also say that, um, and I, I'm saying they, because <clears throat> these are, you know, just from years of, um, trainings and so forth. So I'm using they to refer to the sleep experts, so to speak. They also say that, um, you shouldn't stay in bed if you're not able to sleep. So instead of tossing and turning, you know, like if, if you're doing that for 10 or 15 minutes, it, they say it's better to just get up and do another activity. Okay. And so that our brain can start associating the bed and the bedroom with sleep and maybe other fun things read between the lines. <laughs> so again, this is about changing the associations around sleep. So get up, do something, don't do anything stimulating, don't read or watch anything that's going to kind of get you going and make your blood pressure rise. Just do some, some boring, bland kind of media consumption, okay? Um, they also don't recommend watching TV. Uh, in your bedroom, you know, or looking up, being on a tablet, which I know, I know, I hear this a lot. People say, I know I shouldn't do it, but I'm doing it. It's so hard, I know, these days with our devices, but it really, you know, for some, for people who don't have sleep problems, I mean, it's not an issue, but for people who do, this is really something um, that I really try to challenge people to work on is, you know, we come up with strategies, um, to lessen the the time all the way to the point where if if the client's open enough then we even leave the phone outside the bedroom um if the person kind of has a really hard time not reaching for it so keep the electronics at bay try to dim the lights before bed uh maybe an hour or two before bed start dimming the lights start kind of giving your body the signal that it's time to slow down it's time to you know kind of let go of the day it's time to wind down put some relaxing music on if you're into that 
Sometimes people like to use an app, a sleep app, you know, if you're into that. Um, you got to kind of find what works for you or, you know, some sometimes it's just about watching something kind of uninterest, uh, yeah, uninteresting and neutral. Sometimes that's um, enough, you know. But for chronic insomnia, you have to commit to a, a lot more. Uh, so, you know, we it's complicated. We have to assess your diet, your mental health history, how long has this been going on, you know, your food, the substances that you might be um, using. And if it's really kind of super chronic, we, we'd have to refer you to a sleep specialist, okay? So that's that. Um, avoid inappropriate, uh, sorry, <laughs> inappropriate. Avoid um, like the stimulants, like I said, um, and uh, be careful with the the medications that you might be taking. I know there's a lot of over-the-counter stuff, so be careful with that. Make sure you're reading the um, the label and that it's not contraindicating, you know, with the current substance, substances or medications that you're currently on. Um, just be really careful with that. Alcohol is also known to disrupt sleep. Um, cigarettes as well is known to disrupt sleep. Exercising too late in the day can also be an issue, okay? Because again, we're preparing for sleep. We're winding down and exercise just releases all of these endorphins and gets you kind of in a more active state. So be careful with that. Try not to exercise, again, a few hours before bed. Um, there's actually a recommendation. They say exercise before 2 p.m. every day, uh, according to the Sleep Association. Um, exercising before 2 p.m. every day apparently is could be really helpful. But I know, I mean, who, <laughs> who has that kind of schedule, right? But if you're going to do it, just try not to do it like too late in the day or... Um, Maybe don't do such a hard workout if it's later in the day so that you're not kind of getting all revved up. Okay. Um, I also like recommending a warm bath, um, some essential oils, teas, a massage, um, if you can afford that, something meditative, you know, um, like I said, a meditation app or listening to... Um, you know, like a, a podcast that is really calming um, or mindfulness type uh, resources. Um, but again, the idea here is to slow down the nervous system. Okay. Um, so those are some of the tips that, you know, generally speaking, you might want to try. And if the issue keeps persisting, and it's really, you know, just something you just feel like, I just don't know what to do anymore. Then that may be the time to really consider doing, going to a sleep specialist um, where they can really get even deeper in the, in the assessment and do like a sleep study. Um, sometimes that's what needs to happen. Um, other times it might be that if you're not on medication, that you need some chemical assistance and that you might need to take something to help you. 
Um, sometimes that is part of the clinical picture. And then, of course, you know, more often than not, my experience is trauma work is also a really big piece to to improving sleep. Um, because a lot of times, like I told you, when I shared the ACE study, sleep isn't just, having sleep problems isn't usually just an isolated event or a single problem. It's usually correlated with other things. So, you know, you just need to, to get in with a professional so we can really try to flush it out and tease it out. Okay, so that's basically it for me, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, as always, I hope you're all doing well, taking care of your mental health, hanging in there with all the recent things that, have, that are going on again, especially, you know, the COVID fatigue that a lot of people are feeling. So this is even more so why it's important that we find ways to improve our sleep because that foundation is always going to serve us. It's going, it's always going to serve our relationships and our work and all the other areas in our lives where we show up. Sleep will always serve all of those areas. So I hope you guys, um, you know, like I always say, be well, be gentle, get mental because we all have issues. Thanks for joining us today on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. To learn more about Cecile, become a sponsor or guest on Get Mental, or if you have any questions about mental health, visit TranscendTherapyCA.com. That's TranscendTherapyCA.com. Join us next week at this same time for more talk on all things mental health on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. Don't